I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good afternoon, Prakaptan. I hope you're well. On Monday, we discussed the ego from the perspective of what the ancient Stoics might have thought of it. In today's episode, we're going to hear what some of you think about it, and I'll weigh in on what I personally think about it after having had time to digest your thoughts. On Friday, we'll have a guest on to talk about ego, and then we'll move on from it. First, a big welcome to Richard Herring, the newest listener to become a patron and supporter of this podcast. If you'd like a shout out on the show, access to the ad-free feed, as well as to a few other worthy perks, become a patron today by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash members. Today's episode is also on YouTube. In fact, it released yesterday on YouTube. But as I experiment with YouTube, I've realized that I don't really want all of you going to YouTube instead of listening to the podcast. I want to capture a new audience entirely on YouTube. And I want to serve you in a different way on YouTube than I do here if you're inclined to absorb additional content. So videos will release with episodes, but they won't continue to be the same content. They'll be shaped differently, designed differently, and deliver different value. Remember, I'm experimenting for the rest of this year. I have a general direction I'm going in, but I'm still kind of sorting out the details. YouTube is a new thing for me, so it's going to take a little bit of experimentation in order to work out the kinks and arrive at a solid strategy for the new year. So bear with me. Now let's hear from a couple of my sponsors and then get into today's episode. Stay with me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. So what do you all think about ego? I asked you to weigh in via the Spotify app at the end of the last episode, and a lot of you did. So I think it's best we start with those insights from you. Gall said, ego isn't good or bad. It's the way we act according to our ego that's good or bad. We will always put our interest first. But what if our interest is to act like a true stoic? Damaris says, ego could be like our shadow side. Not necessarily bad, just behaviors, thoughts, or actions we need to be aware of. In Stoicism, it's like what we are trying to learn to control and not be controlled by. From James, I once heard a quote, Ego, an excellent servant but terrible master. I believe the ego is a tool that we must learn to integrate to help shape our reality. Maybe embodying virtue is the path to this? From listener Rock, I think ego is useful to some extent, just enough to boost self-confidence but in excess, it can be very harmful to oneself and others. Going in another direction, Doug says, I call ego checks first world problems. Getting cut off, hitting every red light, cold coffee or food. Annoying, but not too bad in the big picture. From Ian, ego can help with priorities. Save yourself from danger because I have to take care of my family and or the empire if you're Marcus. Even a selfless act has an air of ego. We want that dopamine hit. From Joseph, John Verveke roughly said, If something blows your ego up, listen and enjoy it, as you would a beautiful song or sunset. Once it's passed, let it go. Dwelling on it, that is the problem. From Bobo, The less ego we show, the better. People would be happier if everybody realized that we are so small in the grand scheme of things. Thank you for the great knowledge you provide. From Dio, I think recognizing how insignificant we are can be a useful tool for keeping a level head in difficult situations. If it doesn't matter in the big picture, then getting worked up does seem a little silly. And then lastly, from Aiden, 
I got a big old ego, and it causes sadness when I fail. Therefore, life without ego would perhaps produce less suffering. Thanks to all of you for your comments. I appreciate that you took the time to add them to the discussion. What really stands out in most of the responses I received is that most of you believe that ego plays some sort of beneficial role. And you know what? I'm inclined to agree with you after having a couple of days to think about it. Here's something from Britannica.com. It's the definition of ego. Ego, in psychoanalytic theory, is the portion of the human personality which is experienced as the self, or I, and is in contact with the external world through perception. It is said to be the part that remembers, evaluates, plans, and in other ways is responsive to and acts in the surrounding physical and social world. So then, the ego is a real, and dare I say, necessary thing. We must, to some extent, identify as autonomous beings that exist in the world and that can act out our plans and ideas. If we didn't believe this, we couldn't be empowered to make choices, evaluate our thoughts, or make an effort towards changing ourselves and our surroundings. If we entirely remove the ego, then we don't experience the self, and we don't reason, and we don't choose or decide. Without choice, there can be no stoicism, so hold whatever position you want on the idea of ego and the self, but understand that believing in the experiencing and choosing self is a necessary component of stoicism, at the very least, and probably every other philosophy out there as well. So I guess I agree with those of you who say the ego is a necessary thing. But how is it necessary? We know we need it to believe that there is a me, an us, a we, that there is a self that can act and choose. But how else is it necessary? Or is this the limit of its use? Perhaps all it does is enable us to believe we can choose and act, and anything more than that is just a dangerous application of the idea of ego. Going back to what Rock said, I think ego is useful to some extent, just enough to boost self-confidence, but in excess, it can be very harmful to oneself and others. I think this is the second necessary bit of ego. If ego empowers us to believe we can choose and act, that we are a self, then certainly it must also be a part of how we decide exactly how much choosing we can do and how effective our actions can be. If your ego is so big that you, for example, walk into a gym having never been in one and you make your way over to the Smith machine so pumped up on belief in what you can do that you attempt a 500 kilogram squat with no previous lifting experience. If you do this, you're going to die. Maybe literally. The moment you need to actually support that weight. Although, I did say it was a Smith machine, and my understanding is that it's a lot harder to hurt yourself on those, and maybe that's the point of them, but ignoring my own lack of familiarity with the gym and all its super neat machines, I'm certain you understand this analogy without me having to finish it. If you approach life thinking you can do things you cannot do, that's delusional. And delusion is improper assent. However, 
do we need to approach life with enough belief in our ability to do something we're not absolutely certain we can do for the sake of working towards things at the distant borders of our comfort zone? You might not know whether you can protect that person who is being bullied, for example, but you need enough confidence to believe you might be able to, or else you'll never believe choosing to try to protect them is worth the effort. Now, before you say anything, Stoicism isn't about outcomes. I know that, and hopefully you know that. But being any sort of human includes considering our ability to bring about outcomes when we make choices about what actions we're going to take. Of course, that's not Stoic. A Stoic would ask, is it the right thing to do? And if the answer were yes, they would say, then do it. A Stoic would not ask, is it the right thing to do? And then you would say, yes. And then they would ask, can you be successful? And then you said, I don't know. And then they would say, then don't do it. That's not how Stoics are supposed to choose. And certainly it's not how a sage chooses. But there are no sages. We're all just regular mortal humans with loads of imperfections. So it's absolutely the case when we're trying to make a morally correct decision that we 100% are going to be doing some kind of utilitarian math in our heads because we would have to in order to know whether something was appropriate. Here's an example. You're an off-duty police officer, and you decide to walk into a cafe to grab some coffee and a blueberry muffin. While you're sitting there enjoying your coffee and muffin on your probably union-mandated law enforcement break, I don't know, A man enters the cafe, armed with a shotgun, and proceeds to hold up the cashier, demanding the money in the till. Now, you're armed. You have a concealed weapon. Remember, you're off-duty. What do you do if you consider yourself to be a just stoic? And let's stop making this you as the off-duty police officer, and let's just imagine a off-duty police officer. Let's try to make it less personal. Does this off-duty police officer choose to draw his weapon and shoot the criminal? Is that the just thing to do? Or does he choose to do nothing so as not to aggravate the situation so that no one gets hurt and he doesn't run the risk of abandoning his other roles as husband to his wife and father to his daughter, for example, by risking his life to protect customers when he's not sure the shotgun is even loaded or if the robber is even of the character that would find them willing to use it were they not pressed to do so. In other words, could he allow the robbery to simply pass? No one would get hurt, but the robber would get away. Is that more appropriate? Maybe he just stays calm and lets the security footage do the police work. The cafe is insured. They'll get the money back. Is it worth the risk of civilian death just to enforce the law? The bulk of these considerations, and I'm sure there are countless others, are hinging, partially at least, on the calculus our officer is doing in his head. And when I say calculus, I mean moral calculus. Can he draw his gun fast enough? Can he kill the robber without eliciting a fear response from them that results in the shooting of the cashier? How dangerous is the situation really, right in this moment, without acting? What is the likelihood of escalation if our police officer doesn't decide to intervene? Is it less or more 
than if he does intervene. All of this is going on in real time in our officer's head. So the answer is that a just police officer doesn't act in one way every single time, and that's because the role of a police officer isn't always the same, even if the situation is always the same. Stoicism isn't utilitarianism, but some utilitarian thinking has to be done in order to sort out what actions and choices are appropriate in our roles at that specific moment in time. This might not be true if you're a Stoic sage, but it is true if you're mere prokopton. So the ego is real, and it plays an important role in believing we have autonomy, power, and ability. And these things are important in our decision-making processes. But there can definitely be too much of a good thing. We cannot allow our egos to get out of control. We cannot have egos that encourage us to perceive the world in such a warped way that it becomes impossible to navigate it excellently. And since Stoicism is all about attaining the knowledge of how to live excellently, and then, once that knowledge is attained, acting excellently for the rest of your life, it's important that we see things in as minimally warped a way as possible. So with all of that in mind, I would like to leave you with three, let's call them tips, for checking your ego. Tip number one, check in with the cosmic viewpoint every day. You and I are specks of organic material on a rock that is floating in vast nothingness that is bigger than we could possibly imagine. So I want you to zoom out. Look at the earth from 10 light years away in your mind and then ask yourself how much you'd care about two ants having a fight over a grain of sugar 10 light years over there on some planet you'd never heard of. Wouldn't such a concern, given that vantage point, be kind of silly? Then zoom back in. Your concerns and fears aren't silly. You have to do something about them after all. But taking a moment every day to remember how factually insignificant you are at the cosmic scale is helpful to reframe whatever you're dealing with and gain the perspective of, okay, I'm a tiny thing, the universe is vast, I'm arguing with my sister about how we're going to split the costs of mom's Christmas present, do I really need to be this worked up? Does it matter as much as I think it does? No doubt this will help to calm you down a bit and bring you back to a less egotistical center. Tip number two, habituate checking in with others. You're not the only person in your world. You've got family, friends, maybe even coworkers that you care at least something for. You've probably told them frequently that you'll make plans, but then those plans never pan out. That's because you don't prioritize them as much as you prioritize yourself. And maybe that sounds greedy, but you're lost in your work and you're not giving any time to your mental health. So you're being a bit egotistical by living in your own head so much. So pick a couple of people, a few if you can, and work towards making them part of your monthly existence. Schedule time with them. Call them and chat for a while. Find out where they're struggling and offer your help if you can. Make paying attention to others part of your daily routine. 
I think that the more time you spend thinking of others and determining how you can help them, the less time necessarily you're going to spend thinking only of yourself. And then tip number three, volunteer. It doesn't have to be a lot of volunteer work. It can be maybe once or twice a month, but create a day or two a month where your whole day revolves around others. It could be a local homeless shelter, a boys and girls club, a community art center. The form your volunteering takes will be up to you. But just like tip number two, you're trying to balance out how much time you spend thinking about yourself and how much time you spend thinking about and serving others. Volunteering can shift your attention away from yourself for days at a time and bring a healthier balance to your ego, which can help keep it in check. I'm going to have a guest on Friday to put the nail in the coffin of ego and then work with the patron community to determine next week's theme. For today, though, I think you've had enough. Thank you to those who participated in the Spotify question. There's another one up on this episode right now. What questions do you have for Friday's guest? Put your questions there, and then I will pose the best of them to my guest on Friday. That way you can get some direct answers from someone other than me. Thank you for listening today, and until next time, take care. 